Join us and unwind with a good book. Welcome to Relaxing Reads. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Relaxing Reads podcast. My name is Simone. I've been a host of this podcast for the last few years alongside Tanya and Deb. And now we have two more book lovers we are adding to the roster. Ryan and Josie are here to take you through our next podcast. You'll learn a little bit more about them and about the book that they have read for this month. Enjoy. Welcome to the uh, Relaxing Reads podcast. You're probably going to hear a couple new voices this uh, this episode. Um, I'll introduce myself. My name is Ryan Hobson. I'm the uh, National Director of Digital Content for Stingray Radio. I'm also part of the podcast team here at Stingray and developing and launching podcasts. I love running. Recently ran the Boston Marathon, a dream many years in the making. I love music, all genres. Little foreshadowing. I'm a huge uh, Rick Rubin fan, and one of the main reasons I'm really excited to chat to Josie today about the book. Yeah, you kind of just flew by the Boston Marathon drop. <laughs> Go ahead and tell everybody what you ran the Boston Marathon in. I did it in three hours, 12 minutes. Um, trained for years to even get there, oh, and what a the day exceeded my wildest expectations, pretty special. So I'm actually still feeling the high from April. So it was wow. amazing, amazing, amazing time. Incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, my name is Josie Fennick. I've been in radio for 20 plus years. I was on air for a good chunk of that. And now I work behind the scenes as a program director for the new Hot 89.9. And I also coach talent for our company, Stingray. Uh, I am a mom to two children, two busy, wonderful, beautiful children, uh, and a wife and a daughter and a sister, and a friend, and, uh, you know, always kind of trying to improve this life that I've got, and uh, improve my output, and as well as, I guess, my input, uh, making sure that I kind of choose the right things to bring into my life, and I think that's a decent segue for this book. Do you start, I guess, with a little discussion, I guess, who Rick Rubin is. He's just one of those legendary producers that's been in music now for years. He he started uh, Def Jam Recordings out of his dorm room in New York with uh, Russell Simmons. And he really launched that hip-hop movement that, you know, names like Beastie Boys, Run DMC, Public Enemy, LL Cool J. Uh, it was really the start of hip-hop becoming this mainstream sound and i mean he's he's gone on to work with different sound like heavy metal the metallica slayers uh, alternative chili pet red hot chili peppers weezer and in, in, even in country i mean he had a legendary run with johnny cash and in, in johnny's late life and and doing those cover songs and really giving johnny a a new stage and new fan base so he's just he's been one of those legendary people mm -hmm. who's in the background, orchestrating these these wonderful albums that soundtrack our lives. Yeah, that's quite the resume. He's known as one of the most influential figures in the music industry. Uh, and then he wrote a book. He's written a book. It's called The Creative Act, A Way of Being. So, Ryan, here we are. We were both very excited to read the book. Um, totally. You, because you're you're a Rick Rubin fan... Uh, also you are expected to be creative every day in your job right? Yes, and, and me more again, just kind of, you know, wanting to tap into his experience, his knowledge. Uh, I also work in a creative industry and so I thought, okay, yeah, no, this is going to be great. 
you know, he's going to give us the secret to creativity. <laughs> yeah, what's that secret sauce that he has been able to repeat time and time again? Yeah. You know? So, and, what are your initial thoughts on the book? It was not what I expected. Mm-hmm. And I really, I get, you know, I probably set the bar so high when you've got a catalog of albums that I literally have spent so much time with in my life to get a chance to have a few hundred pages of this from this guy. I was like, oh my goodness, this is going to be what went into those records and what went into those albums. And, you know, I did take away a lot from it, but it just felt a little, a little fluffy maybe at times Mm -hmm. and maybe a little repetitive. And it didn't, it just, uh, it was, it was not what I expected. Yeah. Same. Same. I I mean, you know, so I opened the book and the first hint, I guess, was all of the chapters in this book. <laughs> like how yes. many chapters are there? There's there's two pages of just the chapters. So all the chapters are very, very smart or short, rather smart, smart. Yes, but short. Um, <laughs> yes. Two or three pages. Most of them. Right. And and so as I got into it, I realized what it was. So I, I actually had to shift my thinking in regards to what I wanted from this book in order to finish it, to be honest, because I, like you, thought it, we were going to kind of, you know, delve into some more um, particular examples of his genius. And it wasn't like that. It was more sort of surface thoughts, if you will. Like musings almost. Yeah. Meditations and thoughts around daily life, which are inspirational, but a very different direction, I think, than what we expected. Right, right. So once I kind of did that mind shift of what to expect, I thought, okay, you know, this is a book that I would give to someone, specifically someone in a creative field, that they could pick up and randomly choose any chapter they wanted out of the book to read. So that's the cool thing about this book is it is actually a great coffee table book in that, well, first of all, Rick Rubin's a good little name drop, you know, on your coffee table. <laughs> and secondly, anyone could just pick it up, flip to any page, any chapter, and it would make sense because there really is no story. There's no beginning, middle and end. No. Yeah. No, it's not. There's no A to Z here. It's This isn't like a, and that's why I think I came into it thinking this was going to be biography based. Yeah. So we're going to go through Rick's life and that's going to be the spine of it. That's going to, but we're going to fend off into like creative processes from there. Right? It's going to be like here, I was working on this album with uh, LL Cool J and yes. this was the the process we introduced and he got inspired this way. And I, this was my aha moment. And, mm-hmm. and that was far from where this <laughs> book went. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you could give it to someone and say, Hey, if you're ever feeling a little lost or blocked or, you know, are just maybe needing to be grounded, pick up this book, go to any chapter, and you'll likely get something from it. I think that would be what I would say to someone or, you know, kind of my introduction if I were giving it to them as a gift. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Like, for me, it felt a lot to read in one sitting. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. When I read a book, I, I generally, I know there's some folks who will have two or three on the go and they can go. I usually just, you know, I'll start one and finish one and so on. This one felt tough to do that. I almost could use the break of another book because mm-hmm. there there is a lot and it is kind of one lane of, of this creative guidance uh, meditation from Rick. And it, it did feel feel like a lot. And I think when you, your introduction off the start there of how you had to shape your focus to almost get not get through it, but yeah. how you were going to 
take in this book changed pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. And I am also of the mind. I'm the type of book reader that I feel like it's kind of like wine. Life's too short to read a book I'm not enjoying. I am one yeah, of the, it's it, a great I, will, quote. I, it, I have yeah. started books and not finished them because I think I'm not enjoying this. And what do I have? Who am I trying to, you know, prove anything to? I'm not going to finish a book I don't, enjoy, <laughs> I don't enjoy. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> just like wine. If it's not good, I'm not going to finish it. I'm going to go to a good bottle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> life's too short. <laughs> great advice. <laughs> uh, okay. So we both do have definite takeaways from the book. I know that. And I think we can, you know, we can kind of get into a little bit of that now without giving too much away. You know, for me, the takeaways that anyone can apply to their life and the way they live, not just artists, were, as an example, in the earlier part of the book, Rick talks about how we're all creative in our everyday life. And then he goes on to say, we create hairstyles, outfits, we create meals, paths to work. So these daily rituals, if you will, that we don't always put a ton of thought into um, because maybe they're a bit more habitual. We actually do have to think about them and we do make choices on the fly all the time that will impact how we look that day, what we eat that day, how we get from A to B that day. So I thought that in itself was really interesting. And then in another place, he went on to say, to be truly creative, you need space for it to breathe and grow without distractions or more information coming at you. And this one I want to drill down on a little bit because this seems like a virtually impossible task given how we live our lives with our phones in our pockets. We are constantly being stimulated. I myself am guilty of it. I can hardly go five minutes without doing anything. Even when, when I'm waiting for my toast to pop, I pull out my phone. And it's I know it's a bad habit, and I'm admitting that here. So, Ryan, do you have time dedicated to living without distractions? No, I mean, without it being really thought out and really top of mind to, to not have the distractions. It, I want to say impossible because it's not, but no, I mean, that's just, it's our life is it, there is so many crutches that we will just reach to. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I do try to find time, but it, it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like jumping on that quote, I, there's a quote early in the book as well. If something strikes me as interesting or beautiful, first, I live that experience mm. only afterward might I attempt to understand it. He just really, comes at life, it seems like, as a Zen, never saying, never really thought no, always in this maybe yes mode. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's an ideal state, but I don't know how how practical. Uh, that nice one stuck thought. out to me too. It really did. And that's where, to your earlier you know, point, when you were talking about this book, how it's a bit of a meditation guide. And I thought, okay, that is exactly the kind of thing that I know. I know in my gut, you know instinctually that going out for a walk You know, sometimes you should leave your podcast at home, unless it's relaxing reads, obviously, (laughs) just so that you can take in the sounds of nature or so that you're not distracted by something else and that that is a free form for thoughts to just pop into your head and for you to process them. Or when you notice a new flower in your neighbor's garden as you're walking by to actually take a minute and appreciate its beauty. Like anything, you have to be kind of strict with yourself 
You know, I mean, here, here, you're a guy who ran the Boston Marathon. You clearly have this in you, (laughs) you know, this type of self-discipline to get up and run every day, whether you feel like it or not. And And believe me, there's days there's not. I'm sure. So if we, if we could attempt to, to carve out that time in our daily life with no distractions, I do see how we, we would be better for it and more creative because of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. I, as somebody who spends a lot of time with music and podcasts as I run, there you, you make such a good point. The, the do, moments I don't do it, you know, where you can feel your heartbeat differently, you hear your feet on the pavement, you, you do, you see that flower. It, like it, there, there, there should be time carved out for that. There is a lot to be said for that and noticing your surroundings because we are hammered with stimuli and advertising and... Uh, so much noise that if you can find that time just to f- just to feel mm-hmm. and sometimes be your own thoughts. I mean, yeah, I can see that creative energy bursting forth from that. So. Yeah, you had uh, a chapter about halfway through the book that really spoke to you. Oh yeah, so uh, there's been a theme I've kind of picked up on books and in, in, in trying my own self improvement. A lot of people speak to like you need to experience through pain and difficult situations to really appreciate the good and the special times of life. You can't sit there and think your life is going to be perfect. This, the struggle, the stressful, the tough times really equip you to appreciate the good times mm-hmm. and uh, build upon that journey. You know, some of the quotes on that on that page, though, you know, I don't want to give too much away, but. Uh, instead of sinking into the pain or heartbreak or the stress of being laid off or the grief of loss, if practicing detachment, the response might be, I wasn't expecting that plot twist. I wonder what's going to happen to our hero next. There's always a next scene, and that next scene be one of maybe one of great beauty and fulfillment. The hard times were the required to set, set up to allow these new possibilities to come into being. The outcome is not the outcome. The darkness is not an endpoint, nor is the daylight. They live in continually unfolding, mutually dependent cycle. Neither is bad or good. They simply exist. Uh, there's a beauty and simplicity to all of that mm, that mm-hmm. I feel takes away those dark, dark, dark times that we experience and brings it up to a level playing field of the raise your fist in the air joy times, right? Mm-hmm. And kind of there's a beauty to, to that, I, I, I think, I feel so. No, that was super powerful. Yeah, so that was about halfway through the book and you're starting to learn that the book is really about mind over matter, right? The book is really about how you perceive things and and how if you can get your mind right, you can really tackle anything. Anything can be overcome, yeah. um, big or small. And that one was was really beautiful. And it's it's funny. I don't know if I'm hearing a lot of that message right now in different ways because so many people are feeling the impacts of all of these kind of negative external forces, whether it be, you know, the fact that we just got through a pandemic, um, you know, the war in Europe, um, the, you know, uh, climate change and the wildfires and all of these, you know, kind of weird weather events or whatever it may be is this came up in a recent documentary with um oh am I going to get it right now it was uh Seth what's therapist do you know who I'm oh, talking about it, why can't I remember not Seth his? Godin no it wasn't Seth Godin it's he's an actor okay we'll come back to that um 
but it was it's on Netflix and it's like Stewart's or Stewart's. oh Seth Rogen Steth, yes Seth Rogen but it was his buddy who did it um, the guy from Superbad uh, <laughs> for both yeah. having just yeah yeah uh, anyway and in, Jonah Hill Jonah Hill Jonah Hill thank you Jonah, Jonah Hill. Hill yes yes yes, yes. yes. thank you thank you Ryan <laughs> oh that was a great documentary <laughs> that was so yeah. good and so good. my biggest takeaway that I think works very well with that quote that you just shared. My biggest takeaway from that is you can be fully happy and still experience pain. There's no such thing as 100% happiness with no pain. There's no light without darkness. It is the yin and the yang. I mean, this goes back, you know, hundreds of thousands of years. Okay, I get it. (laughs) But yes, you're going to have to beat me over the head with it because I need to be reminded all the time. I'm one of those people... I'm, I think I'm pretty optimistic. And so, and anytime I feel any kind of negativity, it, it can, I feel like it can take me down. I need to be reminded that this is life. Life is just as beautiful with the pain. There's beauty in the pain. There's happiness in the pain, getting through that, you know? And so I think those are all kind of similar messages. Yeah, that is, yeah, yeah they're beauty in pain. It is, it's such a, Great point, Mm because there really is. And and maybe, you know, touching on your point of all the strife we're faced with, you know, climate change, U.S. politics, war in Europe, you know, it does feel like there's a long negative voice. And I think we also, when we go on the social media and on our work lives, there's this expectation or we look around and think everybody else is so happy Mm. and I need to feel that too. And your journey and day and is going to be different and that's okay. But I think we all feel like, oh, we, we've got to be happy. We, this is happy. And, and sure, that's part of the, the life journey. But um, mm-hmm. there's also going to be time where it's not. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. You know what? And comparison is definitely it's something that happens a lot in our world right now, because specifically because of social media. And a lot of the times we feel jealousy, which is probably one of the most ugly emotions to feel. You know, we feel inadequate. We feel like what we have isn't enough, right? It's the opposite of grateful, right? Mm -hmm. And we know all these things are extremely unhealthy and toxic for our soul. Mm -hmm. So so Rick used this example uh, where I guess the Beach Boys were super inspired by the Beatles album Rubber Soul. And Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys said that when he heard Beatles' Rubber Soul album for the first time, his mind was blowing, okay? (laughs) And he thought to himself, if I ever do anything in my life, I'm going to make that good of an album. So, you know, it wasn't, oh, man. I am never going to be as good as this or, oh, I am going to crush them and they're going to, there will be no Beatles after I finish my next <laughs> or album. Or I'm quitting music. This is it. Clearly there's somebody better than me. Right. Be right. Like, yeah. Which I feel like is a path a lot of us choose these days. And mm-hmm. instead he took that as inspiration and said, I want to live amongst this greatness. And, you know, for all I can tell, he felt like he was capable of that. So he went out and he wrote, God only knows. I'll just give you a little, just think for those of you who aren't sure of what this one sounds like. 
You might remember it from Love Actually. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it really is so beautiful. Yeah, the orchestra. It's just, yeah. I may not always love you. So beautiful. So that's what the Beach Boys wrote after Rubber Soul, the album, came out. And what happens then? Well, Paul McCartney listens to God Only Knows, and his mind is blowing. Now his mind is blowing. (laughs) He cries. He thinks it's the most, the most well-written song he had ever heard. That's what Paul McCartney thought. Wow. He might not be wrong. He might not be wrong. It, yeah, I still, and I've got he, goosebumps, actually. I do, too. I do, too. I mean, it, yeah. Yeah. So, 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 again, so beautiful that he's just saying, oh, just giving full compliments, accolades. And that has nothing to do with him. That, that does not take anything away from Paul McCartney in doing that. So then... So, 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 by the way, Pet Sounds is the album that God Only Knows was on, okay? So, next thing you know, the Beatles start listening to the Beach Boys album, Pet Sounds, on repeat, over and over and over and over again, because they love it so much, as inspiration. And then from that, Paul McCartney says, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band was born. I'm sure a lot of people know this one, too. Oh, yeah. It was 20 years ago today Sergeant Pepper taught the band to play They've been going in the night of style But they guaranteed to raise a smile so, so there it is. He says, this song would never have been created if the album Pet Sounds was not created. So there they are, you know, a whole bunch of extremely talented, artistic, creative individuals feeding off of each other, lifting each other up. And I just, I thought that was so beautiful. I don't know if you have any examples of of that happening in your life, Ryan, but what a great way to be inspired. What an amazing way to be inspired. This competitiveness creates this creative magic and creates one of the best eras of music ever. These these bands, these gentlemen, some of the best songwriters we've known going head to head to try and kind of outdo each other in an amazing kind of creative way. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of, it almost feels like a bit like sports-ish, like this like competitiveness to it, but so much more. Um, it's these are some, that's some of the music we're still listening to today. It still resonates today. Yeah. God only, know, God only knows why is still talked mm. about as one of the best songs ever written. I think McCartney still talks about it, you know, 40, 50 years later. Um, pretty special stuff to see that, that the juice is flowing from that creative competitiveness. Yeah. Right. Yes, so. exactly. And so that, and that was also one of the few specific examples that, that Rick used in the book. And I mean, he, he didn't have it anything to do with ones, producing think, right? either yeah. of those albums. <laughs> it was one of the only times he, he name dropped musicians. I, I you know, the memory strikes. Like, yeah, I don't think he touched on a, a musical example other than that. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, that's a biggie. That's a biggie. But, but mm. I would love to know. I, I also, I'm kind of curious about why he chose that. Maybe because 
his message is bigger than any one artist he's worked with or any one song that he's produced. I think you nailed it. I yeah. think Rick um, is somebody who, yeah, thinks always growing what's next that was just that moment that mm-hmm. song and it might have been incredible to you or i something we maybe still listen to but he's always maybe in a state of motion and 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 on to the next creative process yeah uh instead of this life of looking back and romancing what was maybe i mean obviously he talks about that example but uh he's moving maybe a guy moving forward i wonder awesome. what he's have you ever watched any film or video of him have you ever heard him be interviewed. I have. Yeah, and what, so, uh, there what was is a, he like? What's his demeanor? It is very zen. He's okay. <laughs> got a beard, beard down to um, mid belly, uh, long hair. Never wears shoes. Yeah, he's got a home in Malibu. I, there's a great documentary um, where he, him and Paul, talk for four episodes. I think it's on on Disney. Uh, about Paul's process. And then I think there was a 60 Minutes. He sat down with Anderson Cooper recently, and Anderson tried to figure out Rick's process. And there's some famous quotes that have been going on the internet since then. Rick's like, no, I don't play an instrument. I don't know how to run a board. Uh, and Anderson's like, so what are you doing there? He's like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of there, you know, I'm not doing the quote justice, but I'm, I'm kind of there setting the mood and, right. and, and lending some fuel to that creative process with the artist. He's just a, mm. he's the Zen Buddha cross-legged guy in the, in the back that, um, that and is a get some good stuff by the artist. <laughs> that is a powerful mood setter. Oh yeah! <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm sure his bank account uh, is, is healthy because of that as well. I'm sure he's doing. Very do you well. do you have a mood setter in your life? We're kind of going a little off topic here, but but it it's an interesting thing to think about that people essentially hired him just to have him around because they knew that just his energy would help them in their process. Do you have anyone like that? Um, you know, I surround myself, I think, with like-minded people. But no, mm-hmm. I don't have uh, a Zen guru. No, I, I got to kind of seek that energy out myself. I mean, yeah. family, you know, my wife and and my and my running crew. But no, that that is that's an amazing, that's special. That's yeah. special. Yeah, I, I do. I, mean, I do have people who I think I go to for specific reasons. You know, I yeah, have kind I think, of the cheerleader. I have the more thoughtful, observant friend. I have, you know, so there are kind of different people in my life that can set different moods, if you will. Yeah. Right. And, and fill you up in ways you, or, or converse in ways you, in that time you need. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Because you can't get all of that from one relationship. No. And no. And that would, that's probably pretty stagnant on the creative process of, of life, right? Yes. If you just are that one view yeah, not probably not the healthiest. Everyone needs a lot of different Rick Rubens, is what we're saying. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we need you cloned, Rick. Yeah. You were talking as well about, because um, we had chatted prior to, you know, hopping mm-hmm. on this podcast together, about the message of hope throughout the book. There is the ongoing theme of nature and the universe being something to be a part of and experience. Not getting too, you know, hippie-ish here, but I really do find the link to the earth and, and us as people as kind of this this beautiful thing. And, and Rick talks about they are their own living, changing beings, um, the earth, that we can witness changing through any number of ways. He talks about how the seasons change, the oceans, the tides, the moon. Uh, and, and his quote to sum it up is, nothing is static 
the world is always changing. And it is. I mean, it, you know, a year can go by and maybe, you know, a few moments stick out, but it is always, there's always this evolution and always this changing. Um, and he really speaks to this uh, feeling of, of hope and and living within that spirituality of the world and the earth. And it was, yeah, it's just a really nice thought. Uh, you know, I don't necessarily think of myself as a very religious person. So, mm-hmm. and I don't think Rick is either, but I think of myself as a spiritual person. Um, and I'm really drawn to the idea of spirituality. And, you know, Rick talks about that as well. The the practice of spirituality is a way of looking at a world when where you're not alone. There are deeper meanings behind the surface, uh, the energy you can be harnessed to elevate your work. You are part of something much larger than can be explained, a world of immense possibilities. So it's that world thought. It's like this, we're often told how small we are on here, mm-hmm. and we are, and mm-hmm. we're all kind of part of this this kind of beautiful journey. And uh, there's can just a lot of Can you reread that part again about, about never being alone? What was that line? Yeah, it was the, the practice of spirituality is a way of looking at a world where you're not alone. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, I kind of take that as... We're on the spiritual journey together, whether that is you recognizing a God or, or, or whatever your spirituality is. It's it's not right or wrong. It's it's your part, and we're part of. We're not alone. We're all seeking that kind of that kind of energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's or good. Creativeness. I I definitely felt the messages of hope as well, very consistently, very consistently, which I appreciate so much. There was the quote where he said, setting the bar low to give you the freedom to play. This may not sound hopeful to to everyone, but (laughs) I found that hopeful because, okay, so if I'm starting something or trying something I've never tried before, I don't have to be excellent at it. And I think a lot of people go in with that mindset and then get very frustrated very easily or very down on themselves. And it's like, of course you are not going to be fantastic at it on, you know, your first try. That That's like lightning in a bottle. That would be one in a billion that that would happen, right? Okay, maybe less than that. There are people who are put on this <laughs> earth to do certain things. But <laughs> so lowering the bar, he gave me permission to lower the bar, which I think is great because that that makes me want to try new things. There was another one where he said uh, just one habit at the top of any field can be enough to get an edge over the competition. And that's something else that I've heard a lot from athletes or any, you know, very successful people. They say, you know, I just started waking up half an hour earlier yeah. or I started yeah. going to bed half an hour earlier or, you know, I just added this to my diet or eliminated this a one 30 thing. minute walk before I open an email. Yes. Right. Yes. You know, and it's been a game changer. Yeah, there's such a beautiful simplicity to that quote you just said. One habit yeah. can raise the bar above you and somebody else. Right. Or like, or just put you in different, yeah. In one a different small, mindset. Small. Yeah. Small thing. Anybody can do oh, it. Yeah. So again, hopeful. He said, failure is the information you need to get where you're going. Oh, yes. <laughs> we need to fail. We yeah. need to fail. We need to take mis- missteps. We learn so much from our failures. And so, yes, I mean, there's that cliche, you know, there are no failures because of the fact that you're learning something all of the time. But um, again, we can get so down on ourselves when we don't reach the outcome that we had hoped. But if we just take our time, enjoy the process, 
and then learn from our failures. Fall on your face once in a while. Yep. We're better off for it. Yeah. Stronger, more resilient. This strive for protection, uh, per- perfection out of the gate is mm-hmm. uh, is not reality. Yeah, you know. Yeah, There's, and he's worked uh, with yeah. the best of the best, and clearly, you know, he gained this wisdom from watching a lot of people fail. Oh yeah, and I'm sure he has as well. <laughs> yeah, right. You yeah, know, like and and does continually today. Yeah, yeah. So. The biggest chapter for me, and you know, we're 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 about to to wrap it up here, but the biggest chapter for me overall, I think, was. The abundant mindset, it really focuses, again, on how your thinking impacts your results. So you you said off the top, uh, you know, about what you do and you, what is your exact title again? Uh, National Director of Digital Content. That's big. That's a big title. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 Hair flip. Very big Hair and flip. Very, very big as well. <laughs> and you've got a few titles. So. <laughs> Digital content. So... You're producing content every day. And yeah. because yeah. I because I know our company well and I know, you know, that you're you're almost in many ways a one man show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you a lot on the on the graphic side that you create these amazing graphics for us that, you know, in one glance are supposed to kind of tell you everything you need to know about what we're doing and make <laughs> you excited about it. Yes. <laughs> so I wanna ask you. What's your daily mindset going into your work? Also, kind of never really knowing what's going to come at you. Every day is a little yeah, bit different for you. every week is different. Every yeah. day is different. Um, it can be exhausting to go to the creative well in so many different ways in one day and have so many requests. It can be overwhelming, um, and especially when there's deadlines. Mm-hmm. It's hard. So it's if you have a, this did request and to be creative and be inspired and take that same energy to the next project almost immediately. Uh, what I've tried to do is, is just create time and space and, and walking away has been an amazing thing. There has been so many times where just a washroom break, a snack break, the, the thing I couldn't get within 10 minutes of walking away and just a totally different environment it's there. It strikes. It's wow. It, it's, it's amazing. It's just that walk away and, and creating that. And, um, and remembering there's time to do things. I, I found earlier in my career, I would get super stressed Monday and Tuesday as the request piled up. But then by Thursday and Friday, as you're getting through it, I've felt okay again. And I'm like, you need to remember this energy you're feeling <laughs> Thursday and Friday. You have time. You don't need to get everything done by Monday at 5 PM, right? Mm-hmm. The, I mean, maybe sometimes you do, but you don't, you have time in your mm-hmm. week, mm-hmm. breathe, get through it, take feedback and, um, and just so trying to relax in the moment and let it kind of come out has been, it's kind of been my process. That's so good. The the walking away is so good because I know everyone can relate to that. You know, when they've just had enough and they kind of push themselves away from their desk and then they walk away, go grab a cup of coffee, whatever. And then all of a sudden, Oh, I, yeah. I just released the pressure, right? <laughs> yes. Well, so you're banging your head around this thing and staring at the same thing. It's yeah. just a diff- different twist, different perspective. Now, you also so. mentioned, you know, I'll get people's feedback. Tell me about that as a creative person with obviously visions. Yeah. But you have clients. Sure. Who are giving you feedback because when they ask you to do something, they also maybe have a vision. Yeah, and so, you need to be collaborative. Yeah, how do you balance a, that, though? How do you balance that? 
that's experience and that's that's what you spoke to about perfection it's it would be wrong of me to think something i've done is going to be 10 out of 10 what your vision as the client or as the co-worker mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. it's natural and going to be there's going to be some give back and forth it's yeah. just, and, and you have to and that comes with experience mm-hmm. you can't get your backup you can't it's not a reflection of you mm-hmm. and what you were creating it's um it's part of the collaborative process and you, it, it, you i don't think you it's not a reflection on you right i like that i it's like that just trying to get two people and it probably goes back to say the beach boys in that song and brian yeah. wilson's vision and Cornegan Orchestra. I wanted to hear it this way. Imagine how many times he got them to start, you know, and yeah. I want this sound with the drums. And and so it's that he's not going to come out of it perfect in, in the first take. So, yeah. Rick actually did talk a lot about how artists, you need to create for you. You need to create for you, do it to the best of your ability, and then release it out into the world and not worry what people think about it because it doesn't matter. It actually doesn't matter. It's not going to change who you are or the message that you had to get out or, you know, whatever the creativity was that you had to expel. And so I really like that. I really like that. It's, yeah, it's not a, a reflection on you. Yep. It's yeah. very true. Yeah. So good. What about you? Any final thoughts? Yeah, for me, I mean, I think we've, we've probably touched on it. Um, I think for me, this book, and, and you get it right away when you pick it up, uh, you know, I think it says... There's 78 areas of thought on the intro page, which, I mean, I think there's 78 chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, and his idea is opening possibilities for a new way of being. As somebody who subscribes to a lot of daily newsletters for creative inspiration, um, to me, this felt like it could have been a 52-week book where you read an entry once a week, or he spends a little more time and does 365. And it's a creative act, a way of being, uh, a daily musings. And you pick it up on your Tuesday and there's your daily musing. So it was a lot for me to absorb in one sitting. But you kicking it off, talking about how this is a great coffee table book, because it, it actually is a really good looking book, too. It's very <laughs> yeah. minimalist, simple. But it, not only that, but for somebody to just pick it up and, and grab a chapter, they can get something out of that. Uh, and so it, to me, it felt like it could have been like a fun 52 week from Rick, 52 weeks of oh, creative process that. with Rick or 365 with Rick or something, because mm-hmm. um, it's a lot in one sitting. And that was kind of my takeaway. I, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. It just was a lot in a sitting. So, yeah. you know, sitting back and reflecting on it, it's uh, it's been nice. But what about you? No, I, I agree. That's actually such a good idea. Tuesday morning, instead of looking at your phone first, read a chapter and then just percolate. Because yeah. I think the chapters really are meant to be percolated on. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're meant to kind of. Probably not flipped. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because I think if we were to meet after every chapter and and chat about it, we'd have probably numerous epiphanies, light bulb moments, as Oprah says, Mm -hmm. right? Um, (laughs) Ah Ahas. Ahas. We tried to highlight our biggest ones and hopefully it will entice people to read the book. Actually is a very relaxing, zen, meditative read. So I think it fits relaxing reads perfectly. Well said. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Josie. Thank you for kicking back and relaxing with us. We hope you'll join us again on Relaxing Reads.